The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. AJ Allmendinger, Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett. I'm Jeff Burton. What'd you think of the race this weekend? I mean, the race was awesome, the finish, but I'm just, I love Kurt Busch celebrations. Whether <laughs> it was the hair last year at Bristol or just the <laughs> insane wooing and just out of control in the camera, that's what you're supposed to be like when you win a race. Yeah, and he's won a lot of them. It's not like he's only won a handful, you know, so he knows how to uh, appreciate these things. And I just appreciate the fact that this guy is such a talent, and I'm not sure that he's ever gotten the uh, respect that he deserves uh, in this sport is how good he really is. But the race itself was entertaining. I mean, top to bottom, you had drivers running all over this racetrack that used to be pretty much one groove, and then you had a lot of strategy going on that shook things up throughout the night. I, I, the, for the race, I think it was the most action-packed race we've ever seen at Kentucky. It was just there was something going on the entire race. And your point about about Kurt is he's compared to his brother, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a champion. Yeah. He's won over 30 Cup races, and he doesn't get the recognition just because you know his his brother. He's also a champion. Has won you know as many races he has. But Kurt is one of our one of our sports best drivers for sure. So look, let's just get right into it, right? Let's just get right into into this race. And and, and every week, AJ, we talk about. You know, what was the what started what was the turning point of the race? What started the action? This week it was at the end of the race. Uh, clearly we saw a really good battle. Uh, Joey Logano had run Kyle Bush down. I thought Kyle was gonna walk away from it. Joey found something yeah. and ran him down and a great race right here for the lead. Yeah, Joey Logano is so good and he's becoming that person that you can't look at him at the beginning of the race or middle of the race and know exactly what he's going to be like at the end of the race. And this was a tremendous battle between these two drivers. And you, know, you just don't see Kyle Busch get run down and passed too many times, especially at a track like Kentucky that he's had so much success at. Yeah, and really it's because of this aero package. I think more than ever, setup and whether your car just gets a little too loose or a little too tight, and that's what happened to Kyle Busch there. He got a little bit too tight, and from there he just couldn't do anything with the race car. Yeah, and Joey's walking away with it right here seven yeah. laps ago. Pretty much game over. He's like, please, no caution. Please, no caution. And as things typically go in racing, <laughs> caution, turn two. That's just how it works, right? And Bubba Wallace, uh, you know, this is not what he needed. This team trying to have a good solid race. Only a few laps left from the end and has a has a tire failure and spins. Does a good job of not making contact. But this set up a remarkable finish to this race. And one of the, one of the, clearly, 
one of the best races of the year. And, and this will go down as, and you know, you'll watch replays of this race for a long time. Yeah, you know, when you get to that point, so you're sitting there, I think that it was probably cut and dried that the guys in the top four or five certainly weren't coming to pit road. So there were, it wasn't like that it set up an option there for, for that to happen uh, on this particular night. Uh, but I thought maybe somebody a little closer to the front might come in and see what those tires might do, which might drag the rest of the field in there. But I don't care who would have got tires and who wouldn't have. They couldn't have topped what we came to see once they <laughs> threw the green flag then. Well, in the, on the pace post-race show, you guys had you had Kyle, and he walked you guys through what he saw in those last few laps. Let's replay that because that was fun. I'm sorry, Kurt. You know, I had Kyle Larson behind me in sixth place. Uh, when I was going up through the gears, I never looked at the mirror. I never hesitated because a teammate said he's going to go with me. And so that meant I'm on offense and I got to dispose of the 22 as quick as I can. And look at that, Larson rolls with me. And then I knew the 18 was going to be on the bottom. I just didn't know how much he was going to be getting a push. But I didn't know the 20 was to his inside. And I knew I had the preferred line going into turn three, but he kept hanging on my left rear. He never let go of my left rear. And I just kept staring at his door. I'm looking at his door right now, making sure I stay with him to side draft him. And it's just a side draft game. That's what this draft is all about. He's doing it to me. I wanted to get clear. I did not get clear. And I said, I don't care. I'm holding it wide open all the way through one and two. And I'm gonna put it down on his fender to side draft him. Maybe I can get clear. Oh, yeah, and plus he ran into me going into turn one. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. like, if my tire blows out. It, and then this, I just looked at his door. I said, I'm not lifting. I'm looking at his door. I'm there. I'm there. I know his spotter's saying move up, but I'm like, I'm going. I don't even know if I hit the outside. No, I didn't hit the outside wall. That is an awesome finish. Booyah! KU Bush. And finally, yes, in a one-two finish, I beat Kyle. I don't know, I just do what I can do to, to try to clear the 18 before I, I got to turn one. And I uh, had a decent launch, and then I just got, uh, he just got me in the left rear and stopped my momentum. Uh, and then at that point, I had to make a choice. Do I get down in the 18's door and stop him, or do I, I was watching the one, and felt like if I go to block the one, he's going to go into the middle. So I was kind of, I don't know where to go. It's going to stop. So just, uh, I don't know, just didn't do a good enough job. Well, there's, there's, that was the front row. We heard from both of those guys on the front row. Now, let's remember, I think it's important for us to remember that uh, Kyle was not good at the end of that long run. Yeah, he, was, yeah. he, was, he had like a 10th place car based on lap times at the end of that run. So he was restarting. Your point about no one came and retook tires. He was restarting with a car that was not as good as the people that were racing around him. I think that's important to remember. Yeah, he certainly had fallen off a lot. Uh, it sounded like from radio that we heard that his car got really tight. But a lot of times if you in a situation at night in particular, tires can cool off a little bit more. And there's nobody better on a restart and making a car do what they want or need than, than what Kyle Busch can do. And, and plus, I think he was at a disadvantage even being on the inside because Joey uh, chose the outside. And, and so what was he going to be able to do? And he just was Kyle Busch and, and forced his way into even having a chance at winning that. And But the, I think a big key in that whole thing as we looked at it, and we heard Kurt was describing it, that – the 42 was on his bumper and was going to go with him wherever he went. And to be able to get that push, it allowed him. You can see he was back a little bit, and then Larson goes with him as they pull out here. And so that's exactly what he needed was to have somebody a little bit of help knowing he could make that move. And two key things really that stand out is you just said Kyle Busch having Kyle Larson behind him and then 
or Kurt Busch having Kyle Larson behind him, and then Kyle Busch having Eric Jones behind him, yeah. which made Joey Logano just be a sitting duck because he had nobody going to ever go with him and try to help him out. And we saw right there, this was one thing that stood out to me. Does the 20 car check up like that if it's not an 18 car next to him? Because <laughs> at this point down the back straightaway, I really thought Eric Jones had the advantage yeah. and was just going to keep it wide open and make maybe eight tires work instead of four, really 12 tires at that point, and see what happened. But he backed out, which allowed Kyle to turn down into the corner, which set up for this finish on the last lap. Yeah, that move by Kyle right there into one, you know, just side draft the heck out of his yes. brother, got him slowed down, and now that gave him a chance. So now there's smoke flying off the left rear <laughs> of Kurt's car. I'm like, he's going to blow a tire. And, you know, this is just right here. I yeah, thought right. it was clear. Like, yeah, I thought it was clear. He could have tried to slide up right there. It would probably have been a huge wreck. It would have been. One moment, I'm pretty sure that Kyle Busch said something about that in the post race where he said that. There was one moment I thought maybe I could slide up, but mm -hmm. he didn't. He gave a little bit of room to Kurt, and, and uh, because of Kyle Busch being tight, he couldn't keep that car on the bottom, which allowed the momentum for Kurt, Kurt Busch on the outside to clear him. Yeah, so that, that, was, that, was a, that was a great battle between those two. But if we can yeah. watch it again, let's go back and look at it from Joey Logano's standpoint, right? Remember, yeah. Joey Logano... He, he was leading the race. Yeah. So he, he was in control. He picked the outside. So got a good launch. But Kyle side-drafted him so hard it stopped him. So stop it right here if you can. So that slowed Joey down so much. And now Joey's in no man's land. Now yeah. you're in the last place you want to be. You got nobody pushing you from behind. You got two on the outside, two on the inside. There is no <laughs> way you're going to have enough momentum leaving leaving turn two at this point. Yeah, at this moment, Joey Logano's not going to win this race. He knows it, and that's what is about this package because there's not a lot of momentum. So more often than not, with 550 horsepower, you're not going to launch off the car that's behind you. So he gets an okay restart, but all Kyle Busch has to do is go up there, get against the left rear, side draft him, slows that momentum down, and we talked about it. Kurt knowing his teammates just going to push him, all he has to do is just go to the outside. So Joey really had no options. If he would have tried to block the one more and off, more likely, Kurt would have turned under him and split the middle. So it's just the nature of the beast with this aero package and the horsepower that these drivers have now that it's just tough to try to block these runs. So I, you're telling me that being the leader of the race and a late race restart is really not where you want to be. I mean, there's there's so many options, so many things that you have to do. And I was amazed when I heard Joey's interview the first time. It was like he was thinking, okay, I've got to do this with Kyle. He's going to do this, but I've got to worry about Kurt coming and where he might go. I mean, so many things going through his head. He can't, you know. And Kurt said he was focused on one thing. He never looked in the back. He was looking out front, knowing his teammate was going to be there. And whenever whichever door opened is where he was going. But just. So so many things going on being the leader. I, I, I think you, your point about the, the lower horsepower and the high drag, when you go to accelerate and you're in second or you're in third or fourth, you yeah. actually have a – if you get a good launch and you have a long front straightaway, you actually have a better opportunity to be gaining on the guy in front of you rather than the guy in front pulling away. With high horsepower and low drag, it's easy to get away, but now it's hard to get away. And it got, It's so confusing. I didn't know after watching the race, I didn't know whether you should pick the bottom or the top. Mm -hmm. Like, think you know. Normally, it's like, oh, it's the top for sure, or it's yeah. the bottom for sure. But we saw both work, and we saw both not work. So if you're Joey Logano, <laughs> when I'm, you know, I, when I was a driver, and I know you guys are the same way. I would look back and say, what did I do wrong? And you know, yeah. Joey Logano has been doing that. What did he do wrong? Like, I don't know that he did anything wrong. No, he got I, a great launch, but but Kyle Busch, you're usually not gonna 
outlaunch him from there. So that's whenever the, the problem started. But, you know, he couldn't even, because he was worried about where the one may go, it, it wasn't even to his benefit to try to side draft Kyle. Matter of fact, Kyle was going so good because of the 20 pushing him, as you pointed out, AJ, that he, he really was just in no man's land there. And it's just amazing that you were talking about the leader of the race that's in control of everything uh, is probably in the worst spot that you can be in a situation like that. It's just worst case scenario for Joey yeah. because – he knows the 20 car is not going to put it three or four wide because he's going to help Kyle, and Kurt's just going to get help from, from Larson. And yeah. it's just – so right here, he's got a good launch, but all Kyle's got to do is side draft stop, him. Stop it, stop it. So, it, so, so he's, that's what it was. It. He had to make a decision. Do I go down and side draft the 18, or do I stay up and try to block the one? Sure, it's hindsight. Everybody's saying, well, why didn't you just stay up and block the one and get pushed? Well, it's easy to say that now, but in the moment, you don't know that. So – it's it is it's almost a disadvantage on a racetrack like this with this aero package being the leader and look how far down to the corner the one is before he ever gets there yeah right so it's he's entering the corner before he's able to make the move it wasn't like joey spun the tires and got a bad launch it's just that you know kurt had momentum and it took him that entire time to ever get beside him that's just that's not something we're accustomed to seeing. No, and the traction compound is is a play is one thing that made a difference right there. In years past, that wouldn't have been an option to go to that high side and try to make that move uh, to make it three wide there. But there was enough grip there. And Kurt said he said I you know I hit high gear and never lifted. And uh, you know that's a, a, a an option that the drivers had uh, with that being there. And so uh, you know another position where these this track did a good job of giving these drivers chances to make moves like that. The, to me, this this is uh, more proof that the drivers are having to learn new skills. Yeah. Right. The, how do you launch with these? How how do you how much can you lay back before NASCAR has to step in and say, okay, that's laying back too much, trying to get a run? That everybody's learning, and 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 you cannot restart these cars the same way you restarted them last year. Yeah. You have to have a different approach. But again, that different approach, I don't know what it is that Joey Logano could have done different. I don't know what it is that the, both front row, both guys mm-hmm. on the front row could have done different. You just are in a situation you've never been in before where the guys in third and fourth may actually have a little advantage. Yeah, and the guy, Kurt Busch, we had we pointed out, I don't know how much it mattered because they had run quite a few laps, but Kurt Busch on his pit stop did have four tires. So yeah. it has to be a little bit better when the other guys had their left side tires on for so much longer. Uh, had to make some kind of difference. Well, restarts are going to be king. It's, it's just, you know, we've seen it all year, and it's not going to stop. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the winning crew chief from Kentucky, Matt McCall. We'll be back in just a few minutes. All right, today's grassroots edition of 50 States in 50 Days takes us to Cord, Husker County, and I-80 Speedway. The dirt track runs weekly, has a cart track behind the grandstands known as Little Sunset Speedway. Several local legends are honored throughout the year, including racer and car owner Speedy Bill Smith and Pro-Am driver Don Moore. The Crown Jewel event, the Silver Dollar Nationals, is this weekend, and it caps off with an 80-lap late model feature that pays $53,000 to the winner. Big payday. Several NASCAR stars have raced at I-80, including Ken Schrader, Clint Boyer, Carl Edwards, just to name a few. But we can't talk about Nebraska without a shout-out to Eagle Raceway, where All-American athlete named Rick Allen started his broadcasting career. Did, now, did Rick run 
like fit like in that Nebraska outfit around the speedway? Uh, that's a really good question. A, I don't know about that part. I'm gonna say probably no. But how does his hair not change though? It's the same hair. <laughs> like, well, yeah, it just. It's, like it's the same style. He colors it, yeah. man. Okay. So but he was a great athlete. I'm at Clint Boyer. 53 to 53k to win there this weekend. Big racetrack, Silver uh-huh. Dollar Nashville. That's a lot of money. That man. is. 53 yeah. to win. Yeah. Thinking about get moved for that? Yeah. On that dirt track? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you lose somebody I mean, for 53k. I can't say anything track? bad about Nebraska because I've been with a girl for six and a half years that is from Nebraska. Yeah. So I do have to give a shout out to Coach Scott Frost as well. She makes it mandatory anytime I talk about Nebraska. <laughs> well, since we got that in, got that in, I'm good now. <laughs> since we're talking about short tracks, uh, Matt McCall, crew chief, won the race this weekend. Last weekend at Daytona, like everybody was like, "Dude, why didn't you stay on the racetrack?" Took a lot of heat. He got his first win as a Cup crew chief, and you know that is such a cool story. A, a, a guy, a driver. Uh, has worked his way up, now a crew chief. Really, really cool story. Yeah, it is. You know, I, I hated everything that everybody was saying. I, that, you know, that job is so hard, sitting on that pit box, trying to make the right calls week in and week out, trying to give your driver the best opportunity. You know, you're not just – it's not just the, the calls of whether to stay out and that. I mean, you're making changes to the car, trying to decipher what your driver's telling you about it. So it's just a, so difficult a job. And I, I think the, the stuff of people – that's why – I'm not a big fan of Twitter, but I understand it's a part of the world. But when you can sit and criticize somebody that you have no idea what you'd have done in that situation, but Matt handled it great uh, getting through Daytona and all of that. And so to come back the next week and, and help Kirk get to victory lane, you know, it was a pit call of getting those four tires. That might have been the, the difference. But Matt McCall is an outstanding driver. When I was at Robert Yates Racing, uh, Matt drove some races for us and stuff. And uh, I just I wish he would have got a good enough break at some point in time that, that he could have really shown what he could do uh, in the Xfinity car and maybe move on. Yeah, Matt. Matt is a you see him winning. He he won. I believe he won the Thanksgiving race last year. I mean, like oh, he yeah. ran one race the whole year. Uh, late model stock car race. There he is with his family. Uh, Meredith McCall has been a long time supporter and a huge supporter of her husband. And I was like lucky enough to work with Matt when I was at when I was at Childress and. He actually, he and I actually built a late model together that I drove in uh, Denny in uh, in uh, Stewart's race in Richmond. Oh yeah. And uh, if the driver hadn't have messed up, it would have won. <laughs> that was I, me. Yeah, I got you on that. Yeah. It's to me, and it really helps. Whatever drivers in that one car, you know, whether it was Jamie the last couple of years or or obviously Kurt now, when you have a crew chief. That is a racer that races cars, that still races cars. So when you talk to him back and forth about this is what I'm feeling, this is what I, I'm not really sure what direction I should go, you know, have that type of crew chief that says, you know what, I know exactly what you're feeling. This is the direction we need to go. It really helps a driver just feel more relaxed about which direction they're taking the race car. And, you know, for, for them to be so close for the last couple of years, have opportunities to win a race, but finally get the job done in that one car and, and for Kurt to bring that to, to Matt. You yeah. could see the raw emotion when we were looking at that, just the celebration. So uh, I'm pretty sure that I'm sh- he would love to be as the driver at times, but yeah. you know what? The, the celebration to be able to, to earn your first career win as a, as a crew chief, especially in that fashion, 
it's uh, it's pretty special, and it's moments like that that they'll never forget. Yeah, and we talk about our grassroots racing and, and the tracks and stuff, and Matt McCall was a track champion at Hickory Speedway, uh, where I started my racing career. So uh, he he's a wheel man, but uh, getting it uh, done on the outside now, helping other drivers be successful. I, one thing about Hickory Speedway I learned is that if you're racing to Hickory and he's racing, don't mess with him. I heard because, that. Yeah, the fans, yeah. The fans will go again. Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> Luckily, it wasn't me. I got to witness him go after somebody else, but don't mess with So him. he's don't. like the Dale Jr. of Hickory. Yeah, uh, I go there. I well, know. the Jarrett's were around that's there for a long I time. Yeah. I, I think yeah. it probably had yeah. more to do with my dad than actually me, but that's all right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so there were a lot of drivers in the race for this past weekend. We're going to hear from a few of them, including Daniel Torres when we come back. The month of June was crummy to us. I thought we was going to shake that off in July 4th uh, weekend down there in Daytona. That didn't happen, so we came here. Started out ugly, man. Went straight backwards, um, you know, got caught. We tried to short pit, got caught there with a caution. Went a lap down, got that back, um, battled back. Got some stage points, my gosh. We want more. You know, we, we want to go out there. It need uh, needs to be top fives next and, and then go after those wins. But, um, you know, what a race there at the end. I got to watch the end while, while sitting out here. So. Uh, you know, pretty happy with that. Put on a good show, and uh, we got a good finish out of it. That's a pretty good night. You never know who's going to slide the nose or wash up or get hit, like happened down there. And I just happened to shoot the gap through the middle, and it worked. But um, yeah, it's it's crazy. But um, you know, this this aero package kind of makes it that way. We made a, maybe a little mistake there, uh, putting four tires when everyone put two tires, and we lost a lot of track position and one caution after the other. I couldn't recover, and then we lost a lot of points in the first stage, and then for the second stage, I had a flat tire. Saying we had an uncontrolled tire. Obviously, the penalties is what really, you know, the things that we got to work on, and we have to go to the back of the pack, seems like every week. So it's um, just, you know, we struggle with that, but man, we have got a fast FedEx Camry every week. I mean, we we really are fast. I wish we could show it. Yeah, we had the fastest car and we didn't win. That's the takeaway. Maybe I should have just gotten in front of him and messed up his air. It's so easy to do with these cars, it's pretty much just air games. So um, I missed my chance over there, I guess. and. Um, that's about all, all, I, all I could really have done different. Yeah, it worked out great for uh, our Chip Ganassi racing team. So that was cool for, for Kurt and Matt McCall. You know, they probably got one taken from them last week. Um, so, you know, it was nice for them to, to come back and get some redemption here at Kentucky and get a win. We just have to, you know, make a little uh, better decisions in comparison to the field and uh, have a little better luck. I mean, if it wasn't for that, I feel like we are going to get uh, stage points all day long, but we couldn't because of that. But. It's okay. We, we get them next week. All right, we heard from a lot of different drivers right there. Let's start talking about uh, Daniel Suarez because he had really an up-and-down night. Started on the pole, very, very happy with his car in practice. I, I think uh, when, when uh, Steve Latart talked to him, he said he had the best car he'd ever driven yeah. before. So going into this race, he had a, a lot of high hopes, but then you heard him say they pitted and put on four tires, and everybody else did too, and after that he never regained it. Uh, he did a great job with that fast car uh, in that first stage until the caution came out and they had to make that decision. You know, he led, and so everybody comes to pit road there, and uh, they opted for four tires. And I think he came back out 13th and just never recovered from that, and the night didn't get any better until later on. Yeah, I mean, just the ups and downs through the second stage, I think he had a speeding penalty. It just seemed like nothing would ever kind of work out for him, and you know, the big deal we just talked about, their stage points. And yeah. that's what they need. They need points at every stage 
of the race, whether they can maximize, you know, and to be able to get an eighth place finish at the end saved what could have been a really bad day and kind of helped them just a little bit in points. But as you see right there, I mean, you just look at some of the the points that were gained as an Eric Jones, that was plus 14 over Suarez. They're racing together in points. Clint made up eight. So just that's what over these next how many weeks until we get to the end of the regular season is going to be talked about. These crew chiefs, when they put are put in position, do they go for a stage win or do they just try to get points? Or do they look forward maybe at a Watkins Glen where you pit before the end of the stage ends to set up for the next stage? Or do you stay out there to get the points? William Byron and Chad Canals did that at, at Sonoma. So yep. uh, they did... They had a great finish to it because it could have turned out to be where they finished 14th, 15th and lost a lot of points. They salvaged it, but uh, what it could have been for, for that race team. I, I, think the crew, I think the crew chiefs in those six or seven positions, if they have an opportunity to earn points, they got to go get them. Even if it means you set yourself up for maybe not having a good shot in the second stage to get points, you, you got to get them when they're there. You never know what's going to happen. You never know when that untimely caution is going to come out in the second stage, if you have an opportunity to get them, you better get them. I mean, this is the points right here. Suarez, minus four. Newman, minus two. Eric Jones, finally, he's been seven. It seems like forever he's been 17th. Finally, two to the good. Remember, this doesn't have anybody – this doesn't have Suarez winning a race or Stenhouse finally winning a race. If one of those guys wins a race, it completely changes everything. So, I don't know. They're going to – I just think that was not a good call to put on two. It's easy to say today. I'm going to put on four. Easy to say today, but – you better gobble up points when you get a chance. Could it have been that anything? I noticed in the, the Xfinity race on Friday night that two tires really didn't seem to, to be that good on those cars. And I know that the downforce and the packages are totally different. Do you think that could have factored into that call and that he got surprised uh, by everybody taking two tires? Yeah, well, certainly he put four on because he thought it was the right thing to do. I just, with this package, though, as hard as it is, yeah. you know, for them to mess the air up on you, you got it. Track position's king. Uh, we heard it. Let's talk about Clint Boyer. We heard Clint Boyer. He was excited. I've got stage points, right? <laughs> Seventh week in a row, he's mentioned stage points. Yeah. This time, finally, in a positive way. <laughs> yeah. So, But that's the mentality, right? He's like, I got stage points. And uh, he had an up-and-down night as well. Things looked like they were, you know, he was falling back. And then they, they short-pitted, and he got behind and got his lap back. But he fought back and had a decent night. And they were, they were in desperate need of one. And you're talking about track position. It just shows what it can do for a race car. Because when he was early in the race, I mean, it was like, oh, my goodness like how are they this far off and they adjusted on it but more importantly they got that car in the lead and once they got up there he didn't have the fastest car I mean he he was driving his butt off trying to hold off when he was leading the race against Stenhouse and and as the guys like Kyle and those guys were kind of making their way back up through the field but once they got up there they did what they could they got as many points as possible and turned what could have been a terrible night, another terrible night for him, yeah. into a fairly decent night when we saw, just looking at the points there, how many points he gained on to some of the guys he was racing around. Yeah, I think this was a huge race for Clint Boyer and this race team to, to stop this bleeding of points that they had gotten into and now going to a racetrack that he knows how to win at too uh, next week or this coming week at New Hampshire. So I think that it, it just takes a little bit as a driver and a team to get you headed back in the right direction, and they did that. And I, when you think about New Hampshire, I think about flat, a flat racetrack, Denny Hamlin, right? Yeah. Denny Hamlin is so good at those kind of racetracks. And, you know, those guys, they had a good run going, and he, we heard him, you know, we got you know, we got to quit making those mistakes. And that was, you know, they had the same penalty. They were not happy about this penalty they got called on, but 
they're gonna have to clean it up. There it is right there, you know what I mean? And you're gonna have to, you just can't, oh, there it is. There you you cannot make these mistakes. Yeah. And NASCAR is gonna call it. They are not gonna cut you any slack. Maybe they just keep thinking that they're actually gonna get passing points. Maybe they're lobbying <laughs> NASCAR like, hey, we pass about 50 cars a race. Yes, he's leading Can we just that. start doing passing points and then we'll make up for it? But he said in his post-race comment, they got the speed, yeah. they're just not executing. And whether it's that or him speeding down pit road or just whatever, they yeah. don't, they're not executing over the course of a full race. When they do, it could be scary because we see the speed that he has yeah. every weekend. So all they got to do is execute. And I think if they do, they're going to get some wins. Yeah. They just got to clean it up for the playoffs, though. That's for really sure. what's got to happen. His attitude is good about yeah, it. it. I mean, he, he's, yeah. he's still upbeat. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, I, I cannot wrap my <laughs> – I just can't figure it out. I mean, we, no. we felt like – and really all of Hendrick Motorsports, yeah. you, know, you know, we saw at Chicago, we saw huge improvements, and and then they none of them ran the way we thought they were going to run. Jimmy Johnson with a bad night ended up finishing 30th after after this spin. I, I, DJ, I just, I don't know, I can't figure this out. This has got me puzzled. Yeah, and, and I really thought that, especially with all the Chevrolets, but, but with Hendrick Motorsports in particular, the night races were their friend, uh, that they were performing better uh, most of the time when the racetrack was a little bit cooler. And so I expected, you know, Jimmy's had a few good weeks there that he climbed back. You can see, gosh, he got 34 points yeah. to the good there. And then all of a sudden, uh, he loses 24 of that to that cutoff uh, in, in one race. And just really shocked me because I, I thought that he would run – certainly in the top 10 uh, at Kentucky. But this has been a racetrack that, you know, he's never won at, one of the very few that he hasn't. And uh, uh, Saturday night was not kind to him again. Is he going to make the playoffs? That's, that's you know, there's a lot of drivers. I mean, when you look at at who's around him there that, that have the potential to, I think, perform at a – more consistent, higher level than, than what he does. I, it could be tough, AJ. Out, out of all those drivers, the, the ones that really stand out, the Clint Boyer, Jimmy Johnson, Eric Jones, Newman, Suarez, he would shock me the least if he doesn't make the playoffs. Or, yeah, shock me shock me the least, really, if he doesn't make the playoffs. Like a Daniel Suarez would shock me the most if he doesn't make the playoffs. Just because they are so hot and cold. They struggled mm -hmm. so much in the early in the season. I thought maybe Chicago, when they ran the way they did, I thought, okay, maybe it's fully turned around, but we see it right there, it, and it really does show if you have a problem early in the race and something goes wrong, those stage points, and we're going to talk about them yeah. until the playoffs really start. But, yeah, it's I, I'm nervous. I'm nervous for that 48 group as a whole. I, I, I'm shocked that we're sitting here having this conversation. Is yeah. he going to make the points? I, he's not been able to shake Ryan Newman. He's not been able to shake Eric Jones. He's not been able to shake – uh, there's, I, I don't know. I, well, I, you know Newman's just going to finish anywhere from like 9th to 15th every so, weekend, so, no matter how bad he runs. So, the, so listen, right, the, reason that, the reason this was a good hire, the reason, in my opinion, this was a good hire for Roush Fenway is because of restarts. Mm -hmm. yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this game is yeah. about restarts, and yeah. it's so important. Well, Ryan Newman, you not, he is not going to move over. Like, yeah. he is not. He is no. going to drive in there. Like, that was a really smart hire in today's world. Get a guy in there that has grit, toughness. You know, I don't care who you are. You, this is my spot. That's Ryan Newman, and mm -hmm. it's it's paying off. It was a really good move by Roush Fenway. Yeah, yeah. Restarts and leaving somebody, taking a chance, leaving, putting a driver out there on with no tires yep. or two tires, and there's nobody better in this business that I've ever seen. Yeah, he, he will always he will always maximize the finish out of whatever car yeah, he's in. That's yeah. right. So so. Controversial call by many people. William Byron had uh, he we got penalized on the restart. When we come back, we're going to talk about that. We'll break it down, give you our opinions about what happened.
five, four, three, two, one. Navy, go. Green flag back in the air, and the 14 slow to go. Yeah, that was not a very organized restart. It'd be interesting to see how NASCAR views that. Post the 24 restart violation of the pass through. 24 car. How the f are they posting us? We got knocked into it. 24 restart violation up ahead of you. Yeah, but it wasn't the 24's fault. The 14 brings next to field. I know. Yeah, I saw it. He throttled up and then drug back into zone. That's nice. 14 jacked them all up. 24 gets penalized. This is a bad call here, what they've done. That is total bull, man. That 10 pushes through that zone. See if he tries to pass his wreck his ass. Focus forward, dig deep breath. Make sure our switches are correct. Focus forward, dig deep breath. All right, lap 184, restart. William Byron's in there. You know, Clint Boyer was leading the race. He picked the outside. William Byron's on the inside. Let's remind everybody what the rules are. So there's a restart zone. Once you get in that restart zone, the leader of the race, he starts a race. It's not the flagman. It's none of that. It's the, if the, the leader restarts a race. If you were to get to that second line in the restart zone, then the flagman would start the race. It doesn't matter who beat who to the line. None of that matters. The rule says that the leader has to restart the race. So... Tough call of William Byron. You heard a lot of drivers saying that they thought Clint Boyer checked the field up. Mm -hmm. uh, the speed pointers didn't show that. The speed pointers showed that he maintained a steady pace, but a lot of drivers were making those comments. So, once again, we have a restart problem here that <laughs> drivers are playing games uh, with this again, possibly. I, you know, it's so hard to tell. I mean, you see right here, it looks like Boyer, you know, kept his pace pretty much. It looked, you know, William Byron, it, it's, it's natural, especially as a young driver, to be a little bit anxious in a situation. You're wanting to get a good restart. Uh, once he started, it looked like he tried to come back a little. Then he got run into from behind, and then that made it look a little bit more obvious. But the rule is, whoever you, you can't fire for it. The, the leader, the control driver, has to fire off first. And you know, NASCAR deemed that that didn't happen there, that Boyer, he wasn't the first one to the gas that, that William Byron did. So if you go by the... The rule and the way the law says it is, then then that was the right call. Yeah, and it really comes down to that NASCAR. It's not a whether I can give it back because William for sure did. He, yeah. he didn't do anything wrong once that happened. He tried to give it back because he'd went the 10 car and everybody else behind him sees him go. They're <laughs> going to go with him. So he tries to give it back, but NASCAR doesn't allow that. That's not what they want. They The, the point of the rule was once he went – that was a penalty. It didn't matter what happened after that, whether he stayed in the throttle, checked back up. And all Clint does, really, is once he sees the 24 go, he knows I'm not taking off. Mm -hmm. And we all do that. That's We've all done that. Once you see the inside car start to launch, you're like, I'm checking. I'm not, I'm not going. Yeah. It's not his right, which made that even seem worse. But, yeah, that's the biggest thing is NASCAR doesn't allow you to give it back. Once you make the, make the mistake, it's a penalty. And it looks like, it looks like Clint does check up. But yeah. everybody's going this way. Right. If you look at the speed pointers, yes. he yeah. never he never changed speed. So mm -hmm. I, I you know I'm assuming the the speed pointers are accurate. I don't know why yeah. they wouldn't be yeah. accurate. So yeah. it looked like everybody was anticipating that he was going to take off. And and I mean right here it looks like he's slowing down because everybody's moving forward. They're all anticipating the start because he's so late into the restart yes. zone. They're like he's got to be going. He's got to be going. And he drug him back. And listen, I I you know, we talked about William Byron and restarts. 
last two weeks ago, right? Mm -hmm. And he's going to figure this out, right? He's going to figure it out. It's hard, man. Restarts is being the guy that is not in control. That is the hardest place to be. And we've seen in the past, Chase Elliott had problems with restarts, trying to figure it out. You just keep putting yourself in that situation, learning. You're going to figure out what it takes to get those restarts and ultimately put yourself up front and go win races. Yeah, those growing pains are no fun, though. (laughs) No, no fun going. We've all done it. We've all done it. Uh, So listen, when we come back, we're going to do something fun. My much, much, much older brother, Ward, (laughs) is going to be joining us. He's going to FaceTime into the show. We're going to talk a little bit about racing against your own brother. special to race against my little brother each and every week and Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, Manning brothers, the Williams sisters, there's plenty of siblings that go head to head, but they don't go head to head week in and week out like we do. Glad it was a thriller, you know, just uh, unfortunately we were on the wrong end of the deal. Obviously cool to put on great races and great finishes and um, been a part of a lot of them and uh, not very many, in fact none with my brother like that, so that was a first, but um, no hard feelings, we'll move on. I haven't seen him yet, but I was supposed to fly home with him and now I'm looking for a plane ride. That's Kyle. It's like, it's like that's, that's, he won't even wait. We're going over his house tomorrow, actually, for a little get-together on a Sunday off, and uh, I'm going to plop the trophy down right on his kitchen counter. <laughs> so, that was the third time the Bush brothers finished one, two. The first time, Kurt had won, and probably the last, because now you don't know how, to, how he's going to get home. So yeah. Kurt, Kurt said, Kyle said, that'll teach you. You know, beat me again, I'll leave you here. Yeah, I, I, that's... I, I'll take that lesson learned by, by having a trophy to take home and put over on the counter, too, uh, at my brother's house. That would be good. So my brother and I, we we finished first and second together, so we raced a lot against each other, and we probably Ward won the, won the Daytona 500, won the Southern 500, an incredible mm-hmm. uh, career, did a great job. And, Ward, I was telling everybody earlier that it's hard racing with your brother. It's, it's not as easy, and it, it's difficult, and uh, everybody always wants to compare you, but uh, for the most part, I thought we did it okay against each other. Yeah, I think we did. And, you know, hey, the first race at Vegas, you were the best car at the end of the race. And I probably lucked up a little bit to get to second at Darlington, but I damn sure had the fastest car at Rockingham. And uh, <laughs> restart, restart and not having enough time. I needed about five more laps, little brother, I'd have gotten you. But anyway, we had some real time together. Yeah, Ward at Rockingham, Ward had the field covered. Uh-huh. And what he didn't have covered was pit road. Yeah. And had a bad pit stop, and we we beat him out. And, and we had a second-place car in one, and that was uh, – well, I stole that one from him because <laughs> you certainly had the best car that day. But, Ward, that, you, were, you were really, really good at Rockingham and Darlington. Uh, you were really hard to beat at those places. Man, we hit a setup, you know, and, and all – you know, both of y'all, Dale and uh, Jeff, y'all right there. It was all about just getting that nose to work. If you could get the nose to work, you had forward bite. So that was a that was a, a real easy thing for me to work on. Not that we could get the car like I needed, but if that nose would turn do what my steering wanted to do, uh, you could be you could be strong at those tracks. Uh, okay, well, I, well, so you're talking about the the good times where one of you won racing stuff. So was there ever a time that? Maybe there was a little contact or somebody held somebody up a little longer and uh, it caused a little friction at home. Well, 
are you stirring stuff up for? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the biggest incident Jeff and I ever had was at South Boston Speedway. And I felt like he was in the wrong. Obviously, he felt like I came down on him. But one of us was getting ready to win the race, but neither damn one of us won it. <laughs> and, hmm. uh, you know, and then after the race, there was a little incident, and I saw coming. I knew I better get my own pits. But uh, pretty much after that, I, and I think you may agree, Jeff, that uh, we may have rubbed a race, but we didn't 30 other guys there that that was not going to cut us a break. And not that we wasn't racing each other hard, but we needed to show each other a little bit more respect so that we didn't create more issues that we could for each other. And we wanted to go home and eat dinner with our mother. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, that's what I was wondering. I mean, I don't, I don't have any siblings, so I've, I haven't had that problem. So was there, like, if you guys got in a rift after a race or, or really mad at each other, like, did did mom have to step in or or you know who would who would fix that after you guys were mad at each other? Well, I, I think it's fair to say that our parents had some influence on it on us, but for the most part, they kind of left it up to us to figure it out. But but our mother didn't take a whole lot of whole lot of junk from us. That's fair to say, right? Ward, were you her your mom's favorite though? <laughs> well, you know, so one's the oldest and one's the young. So y'all can pretty much, if, if y'all <laughs> But I can tell you one thing, even today, right now, our dad is in his early 80s. Dad would take either one of us down on our best day. So dad, dad uh, pretty much whatever dad said, we better follow or something else was going to follow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I could tell uh, racing with y'all through the years and your dad being around that, yeah, I, who was in control of everything there? And, uh, yeah, I, he was somebody that I would never want to cross and do the wrong thing because I think he can fully capable of handling the situation. <laughs> now, I've, I've watched, I've watched you, you guys, you know, as I was growing up watching you guys race. I do have one serious question that I'm sure all the viewers probably really want to know. How do you two sound so different? Like, that's what I've always – like, how does that, how does that work? Ward, do you want to give a shot at that? Yeah. No, I think you came up with the best scenario, Jeff. You tell it. So I have this theory. I, I, I figure that Ward grew up on the southernmost part of the house. So, okay. so that's, that's all that's I got. It. That's, that's it? That's all I got. Okay. I'm okay. That, that, I'm all, that, that, must been, have, that must have been a big house. Yeah. All I can say. That, that was always my biggest question watching you guys race. I was like, how, how do they sound so different? And, well, and AJ, I, I don't know. So around my <laughs> Around my part of the world, it's like 30 square miles that I'm normal, right? And I may have a little bit more slack and not move my mouth much, but I'm kind of normal around here. But, uh, man, you know, if I listen to myself, like if I go back and watch this interview, I'll think, what in the hell is he talking about? Because <laughs> I, I just don't, I don't move my mouth and I slur, but hell, I got sent to... Uh, to speech in schools and grammar schools from third grade. So that's all I can tell you. Oh, so we're glad you never changed. I'm yeah. glad it didn't happen. So it sounds like in those that 30 square miles, you're the odd one. I am the odd one. Why I'm here with you. You make me look normal. Well, that's scary then. Or thank you for joining us, buddy. I uh, appreciate you coming on. I know you're 
uh, excited about Jeb's racing when he gets a chance to race, and uh, it's fun to see you, man. Come around the racetrack a little more. Yeah, good to see you, Thank man. You, good to see y'all. Thank you. Have a good evening. All right, buddy. Thank you. Bye. All right, so uh, when we do come back, we're going to find out who deserves our shout-outs this week. Josh Appleby, Jack, man, uh, man, what an awesome night this was. Uh, just a huge win for this team. What a finish! Unreal. <laughs> it's honestly a relief because of how close we've been so much this season. The amount of hard work, dedication, and uh, just everything that the guys on this car have put in. Love working with this team, and I'm just really excited for the rest of the season now after this win. I love the ride on the car. Yeah, back to that was great. <laughs> that was yeah. really cool. Yeah. NASCAR, don't penalize them. No. <laughs> Please not. The junior volunteered me. I was going to pay the fine. <laughs> like, what, what the heck was that? So I'm not paying the fine just you do your fine. So, That's nice um, that Dale Jr. do that, that for you, by really the way. Nice. Yeah. Such a giving person um, with my money. So the, the greatest thing I saw, one of the greatest things of the weekend, uh, let's talk about shout-out to Robert Wickens. Robert Wickens driving for parade lap at Toronto. Huge wreck at, at Pocono last year. Uh, hurt him, and the, the, what he's done to get back in this position is absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's something that, and he even mentioned that he's, on social media, showed every step of, of how he's had to try to recover and still has a long way to go, but his attitude, his passion for the sport, he's really just showed everybody that, that follows him you know, what it takes to be so determined and I was watching that yesterday, and it was like, yeah. you know, I was trying not to cry yeah. watching it. And his fiance was in the car, and they asked him how fast he was going to go. And he basically said, well, it's really up to her what she allows. And she's in there screaming at one point. She had her hand out the window, and he about grazed the fence on the exit of the corner. She had to put her hand back in. It was like, I can't have my hand out there. You can see her. So it was just uh, pretty special. You know, he's from Toronto. The race was in Toronto. And uh, just a special, special person for sure. Yep, special person and, and an inspiration. I yeah. mean, you can't say any more than that. When people take things that are difficult in their life and, and make themselves and others better around it, just incredible. Yeah, it, it, it's an amazing story. You're right. It brought, it brought tears to my eyes watching that. And uh, somebody else let's talk about real quick. Uh, Juanita Lightning Epton turned 99 years old uh, today. Longtime worker at Daytona International Speedway. Uh, great to see her. She's meant so much to that group down there. Turning 99, yeah. and they gave her a real fruitcake. That is oh, a real nice. fruitcake. Yeah, happy birthday. Happy birthday. That's awesome. She is earning it, that's for sure. So that's going to do it for us right now. Have a good night. Thanks for joining us. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.